everyone, welcome back to the Jays Fit Down Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Gay, and today I'm here with uh, Chip Sigmund of the Sigmund Sports System um, Training Center. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad to talk to Mr. Sigmund here. I talked with him before on the podcast, and so now we're having him back. So thanks for coming on. Great to be here with you, Jay. Uh, appreciate you all what you're doing. Uh, congratulations on the podcast continuation. Uh, great. And so um, I know you'll have continued success. Uh, so, but it's good to be back. Yes. <laughs> so, um, how are how are things going with you? How how are, how are you doing? Good, Jay. Uh, thank you. Um, really blessed. Um, I've started. Uh, I've been, you know, uh, uh, with uh, sports all my life. Yeah. Uh, since 1978, coaching, <laughs> teaching elementary school middle school, high school, but coaching on the middle school, high school level. Uh, then going um, with the University of North Carolina as assistant strength coach. Then from there, um, head strength coach at Appalachian State. From there, head strength coach Charlotte Hornets NBA, Charlotte Sting WNBA. Uh, then um, with Ortho Carolina, when the uh, team, the Hornets moved to New Orleans, I stayed uh, here and um, then got up with Ortho Carolina, their sports performance program. I assisted with physical therapy. And then when after school, the kids came at sports performance. And in the summer, of course, they had them all day. Uh, but dealing with physical therapy and working with it made me a better strength coach. And now, when COVID comes along, you know, we could get in all the, it would change everybody. Yeah. And so um, now uh, I've been in my garage. Uh, about two and a half years. And I thought when things changed uh, with COVID, uh, I had to go into business for myself. Um, won't get into all, all the intricacies of how that happened. I'm thinking, well, how am I going to support my family? How am I going to make a living at 64, five years of age? And now I'm 67, and um, it's all worked out good. Couldn't couldn't be better. You got to work at it every day. But uh, I'm out of my garage uh, three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm here at lunch now, and I've got an appointment coming up at four o'clock uh, with a basketball player. Then at five o'clock with a wrestler, and I'm done for the day. But I sit on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. Uh, and I've started early this morning at six thirty, though. But um, then on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays. I'm at a private gym. A friend of mine has owns a private gym. And so uh, not many members, or if they do, it's private. So um, uh, it, most of it, most of the people there are my clients. So athletes, I work with athletes and uh, the personal training client, the businessman, businesswoman, uh, whatever. So um, and around the wrap, boy, I know that took a long time, but I wanted to make everything clear what I do. Uh, it, it's it's going good. That's what keeps me busy day to day, going out beating bushes. And, and so there's challenges in every phase of your life. And this is one of mine, but it's a challenge that is, uh, it is uh, worth, worth every, every, every cent that I earn and worth every day. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great story to hear. Um, so uh, talk about how, how, how did you get inspired to get into this profession? I mean, you know, what, what jump started that? What made you want to like pursue this actively, you know, as you gotten to this point, you know, throughout your career in this uh, field? Yeah, it started a long time ago. Like I said, 1978, I've always been interested, interested in sports, in physical fitness, in physical conditioning. When I was at Appalachian State as an undergraduate, I graduated from there in 78, went back to be the strength coach there in 1984. Um, I had a teacher, he was uh, a psychology professor in a summer school. He said, raise your hand if you know what you want to be when you grow up. And um, I raised my hand, I want to be a strength conditioning coach. And they asked me, well, what's that? <laughs> because there wasn't that, how do you make a living at it? And, but you asked me, uh, I, I've just always been interested in the physical aspects. The strength conditioning part of it, I knew from other strength conditioning coaches just starting out um, that 
that's something I wanted to be a part of. Now, I will go back farther than that a little bit. In 1977, when I was at Appalachia State, I got into powerlifting and bodybuilding. Oh. I won Mr. North Carolina in 1977. And I competed in bodybuilding for about six, seven years at a very high level. Um, uh, competing my last contest with Mr. USA, 1983. But when I was at Appalachian State, um, the baseball coach, and I just won it, and so word was spread throughout the university that I had won that, and he called me up and he said, Chip, I want you to come work with the baseball team. And I'm an undergraduate. And I did. The Appalachian State baseball team, Jim Morris, called me. And he was a visionary. Not, not many weight baseball teams were lifting weights then. And so we had a little universal gym at the Appalachian State down in the basement where, they, where the gymnastics team practiced. And um, so uh, I started and word spread. And that's how I got involved. And I worked with the team. We, that year, we led the nation in home runs, won the Southern Conference Championship. And uh, so I knew right then uh, I was hooked. And so um, uh, that's kind of how it got started. Other things, when I was at the University of North Carolina, I got the job at the University of North Carolina uh, in 1982, uh, that summer. And uh, that's just where that's just where it started out, and uh, from there, of course, going back to Appalachian State uh, as the head strength coach. Little did I know, in 1977 and 1984, um, seven years later, I would be the head, the first ever head uh, full-time strength coach there. So it was a great honor. It's a school that I love dearly. It was the hardest. I left to be the Charlotte Hornets in 19, to be with the Charlotte Hornets head strength coach in 1990. But Jay, it's probably the hardest six, seven years of my life starting that program. And um, I was the only strength coach. Uh, I didn't have any assistants for the first year. Right. Um, so uh, it was very challenging. Uh, we had a little, little, tiny weight room down in the basement. And so uh, let's see, would you run? I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask my wife to get something. The Golden Age of Strength Conditioning book out in the garage. I want to show you something, if you don't mind, Jay. Of course. And so um, that I have left out in the garage. And my garage now, just twenty feet away, is a weight room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I just got through that's where I train my people on Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. And so, uh, thank you for that. So, and I met my wife, who's with Michelle, uh, at Appalachian State while I was a strength coach. She was getting her master's in exercise science. So everything always works out. But I will tell you, Jay, and your listeners, the best you will look back, and I didn't believe this, if somebody had told me this a long time ago, I said, heck with you. That's not that me. <laughs> because it was challenging. I remember having the flu and I had it bad. I didn't think I could take one step, another step, without falling over. When I was a strength coach there one afternoon, I was on my lunch. I said, I got to go lay down somewhere because I've got athletes starting about two o'clock all the way to seven o'clock. Right. I can't go on. But I did. I did. And you look back, those things, and it's in every profession, but it just makes you stronger. So uh, I know you're you're in college, Jay, correct? Yes, sir. So you've got those are the best times. There'll be so many challenges. What you're doing starting this podcast. Uh, again, awful proud of you and continue uh, where you don't think there's not going to be one listener. You keep going and you keep going. You've got to work hard. There's a process, but you've also got to work smart. These are the best days. The most challenging days you will look back are your most rewarding days. And uh, so uh, it, it's so many lessons to be learned, how I just kept going and grew that program uh, to what I believe it is today. 
uh, in that little bitty weight room down the dungeon. Uh, in the summertime, the bars would rust, you know, because of the dampness of the of the uh, of the de- of the basement. Right. I would have to put up barriers. I finally got a dehumidifier, a dehumidifier. I would have to wipe down the bars from rust. We didn't have a vacuum cleaner. I had to sweep out the carpet. Um, little things. I got somebody to donate a radio in there. Um, so, the, but the little things, the little challenges. And and now we've won two Southern Conference football championships. We won a ton of track uh, championships, um, both men and women's um, uh, basketball. We just the, the athletic uh, department, Appalachian State, grew and grew. And look what it is today. And I think because the whole part of it, the growth, uh, the seed was planted uh, by what we did, me and my assistants, and the staff, uh, the support staff of all the coaches at Appalachian State when I was there, the athletic director, Jim Gardner. Mac Brown, who's the head football coach at University of North Carolina, yeah. uh, now he hired me along with Jim Gardner, the AD, and uh, friends, of course, with Mac Brown to this day. I'll show you the book that he also endorsed in a minute when the time uh, time is right. But uh, so Jim Gardner has passed away. But uh, so the relationships. Uh, I spoke at the National Strength and Conditioning Association uh, conference, national conference at the Charles Conditioning Center this past January. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I did, I spoke about coaches to coaches, your relationship with players, your relationship to other coaches, your relationship to that that coach of the team, your relationship with the athletic director or principal, um, those are relationships that will last forever. You may not get along with a particular coach, a particular teacher, uh, a co-worker. You still have to some way make that relationship, maybe not work, but make it to where, listen, I've worked, I've walked into um, uh, with an athletic trainer, I won't mention what team, saying, listen, I know you don't like me, but we must communicate. Okay? So he yeah, said, no, no, right. it's not like that. But you have, there has to be a good line of communication. And make every relationship as much as you can special, maybe in a bad way, hopefully in a good way. So I know I kind of made you ramble a little bit, but those things are so important right. when you're, when as young as you are, Jay, and and uh, and the things out in front of you, you has has to grasp on those relationships. You has to has to grasp it and hold on to it and make every relationship as special as you can because you never know who you're going to impact in life. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you said that that's that's wonderful. I believe in that truly. You know, relationships do last a lifetime. Um, you know, and it's important to build. Um, you know, lasting. Of relationships and connections there you know so uh so what would you say um chip are some key principles for you when you train um football players you know like what are some things that you make sure that you know that that you're instilling you know into their into their um training sessions and regimens um you know that they help them to produce on the field yeah you have to look at when i was at appalachian state well you've got a whole team right and i worked with every team so you really have to go i went to every head coach and tell me the goals show me what you want as team and then i would try to talk to every assistant coach what do your players need now the charlotte hornets and that's easy only got 13 15 players i can talk to those players individually now, with strength conditioning coaching, I work with every team for the most part until the latter years. But in other words, you have to, the goals of the team and the goals of each individual. There are certain things that you, you and with the Charlotte Hornets, that was easy. I had a different program for almost every place. There are some basic things that you have to, the basic rules and fundamentals and guidelines of strength conditioning where you have to have a good strength base base first and even before that a hypertrophy hypertrophy base to build muscle then you have to have a strength base then with that can come explosiveness the explosiveness i can't every sport 
explosives, especially at the collegiate level in your Olympic sports. Now they have a head sports coach just for the Olympic sports or a director. Then they have coaches for each of those sports. For me, the first year, year and a half at Appalachian State, I worked with all sports. Then I had assistants to work with the, the, the other Olympic sports, and I worked with mainly football and men's basketball. So, so, but, so you have to, there has to be a different, a different guidelines for individual goals, but basic guidelines for da- basic principles of strength and conditioning. But you overall, and what you're, what you're asking, Jay, what you overall, from an individual standpoint, let's say if that player needs to lose weight, he wants to gain muscle but lose body fat. You know, I, you have to sit down. I think it's very important. In today's collegiate ap- uh, athletics, you can, because you've got different coaches for every, every sport, you can sit down and say, okay, individual goals for individual players. And you're testing. You, and testing will tell you a great deal. In basketball, vertical jump, and even a broad jump, body fat percentage, pounds of muscle, pounds of fat, lean body, pounds of fat. So all that, you, we have the technology now to do that. So the individual goals plus team goals, critical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you mentioned like now you, we have so much more access to the technology, um, you know, the resources, you know, all these different things. So what would you say like is the difference between um, how you start out, you know, mainly, you know, in your early years as far as, um, you know, and then compared to now as far, with all the knowledge and advancements you have, I mean, just that huge difference. Talk about that. Yeah, yeah the technology is incredible. You're exactly right, Jay. Um, uh, back then, I had, I, I would from all teams, the skin fold caliber. And that's still critical, the skin fold. When you pinch yeah. the skin, you pinch. I, I try to pinch only three sites. The more sites you pinch, the more error. And when you're having to do a whole team, you can't have five, ten sites or whatever. So I always pinch three sites. Then I would run it through a formula. Well, the next time you come up, you may not get it just right. You got to be very specific, very consistent in your testing there. That's what we had to do. Um, that's how we now we could still vertical jump. Now I had my players, because the vertex wasn't around a apparatus where you test vertical jump. We had them jump on the wall and, and chalk, chalk, yeah. yeah, you know, place it and then get their get their get their reach, then chalk and the difference. Now you've got the vertex, which you can you can measure vertical jump easily. You've got the in body, or even some teams may have a DEXA scan, very expensive, but most of the teams. The in-body, of course, you, you can give a lot more information on body fat percentage, as I mentioned, pounds of fat, pounds of, pounds of muscle, so forth. But also, you've got the wearables now. I was just talking to a strength conditioning coach, high school strength conditioning coach, yesterday, where you can track miles per hour. I heard uh, Ron Kelly, the head strength coach, at, I mean, excuse me, head football coach at LSU, uh, LSU the other day. We're getting, excuse me, we're getting faster, we're getting more explosive, we're getting bigger. He said last year we only had one or two players who run 20 miles an hour. Now we have 10 or 15, I can't remember the exact number. That's because of the wearables. They're putting on either wristbands or patches where now GPS is tracking those players and measuring speed measuring recovery, all NBA teams, for the most part that I know of, I may be wrong on some, but I know a lot of NBA teams are using wearables in practice. Right. And they're tracking speed, they're tracking explosiveness, they're tracking recovery. Mike Curtis, head basketball strength coach, University of Virginia. Mike's great strength coach. He he wear he uses the wearables and he will contact Tony Bennett, the head strength as the head basketball coach. Coach, teams looks a little tired, recovery's not there. You can even measure recovery. You do that also, but you can measure sleep. Sleep patterns. Now you're not you can I know high school high school strength coaches who in the mornings will go in and look at the chart. We didn't sleep well that night. 
you know, who did you can get on? Hey, you got to get more sleep. You know, you can track nutrition, you know? So it's incredible, the technology, and this has just come about the last 10 years. I can only imagine the next 10, 10 years. Uh, it's come about, the, the past 10 years has come about just wearables. Now the next 10 years is going to be just, oh, wow. I can't, I can't comprehend what it's going to be. The technology has made so much difference in, in, in the strength and conditioning field. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it has. Um, you know, because again, just the access to all the resources and then the advancements and knowledge that you have, you know more than you did, um, you know, 10 years ago now, <laughs> you know, and so that's only going to continue as things are, are researched and, and discovered. So I just found that really interesting about it. Um, now, what would you say, man, what's the most <laughs> craziest amount of weight or, you know, that uh, any, you know, one of your clients or anybody you know, that you saw lifting or working on a machine that you're like, whoa, that's <laughs> like you were just baffled by that. I'm curious. I've seen a lot. <laughs> okay. Uh, people that have just amazed me from soccer players, uh, Jonah Long, that I, I wanted probably the one of the best, uh, best athletes I've ever had the pleasure of working with who played for a minor league uh, uh, soccer team here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, you're talking about at Appalachian State, we had a football player from North Met right when I got there. Back then in the early 80s, mid 80s, bench pressing 400 pounds, wow. He would rep out 405 to five. Um, just, yeah, just incredible. <laughs> um, Matt Joseph, Matt Joseph, a uh, swimmer out of Cal, I worked with about two years ago. He missed the Olympic trials uh, barely, or he went to Olympic trials, uh, did not qualify for the Olympics. The most explosive uh, human beings, probably the most explosive uh, individual I've, I've ever had the privilege of working with. Some of the Charlotte Hornets, I don't remember, I don't know if you remember uh, Eddie, uh, I believe his name was Eddie Robinson. Yeah. Who played with the Charlotte Hornets. Hmm. He had a 44 inch vertical jump. I don't, I didn't worry about him jumping. I was worried about him coming down <laughs> and how far he had to go go down and without getting hurt. Right. Um, so I, I've seen uh, Alonzo Mourning, yeah. NBA Hall of Famer, all-star, still great friends and love Alonzo to death. Um, one of the most intense athletes um, I've ever been around. He was a gentleman when he walked off the court what a finer gentleman. You won't meet a nicer individual. Help anybody. Uh, if, you know, you know, what when he could. When he walked on the court, if somebody, if it would have been legal to kill somebody, he would have done it. <laughs> okay? He was that ruthless. But you won't meet a finer individual. And that's like Michael Jordan, too. Now I worked with Michael at the University of North Carolina. Now, Michael didn't put up a lot of weight and all that stuff. But he was one of the first ones in the in the weight room, one of the last ones to leave. He would always ask me, Chip, what can I do for this? Chip, what can I do for that? For that? Um, and once again, Michael, gosh, you don't hear the great things that Michael does off the court for people. Uh, you just hear on the court. And Michael was a ruthless tyrant on the court. But he had to be. You have to be at that level. And that's one of the reasons he was so successful. Uh, so I've been very fortunate uh, to work um, with a lot, a lot of individuals. Uh, Dino Hackett, Appalachian State linebacker, with, when I was on the play for the Kansas City Chiefs, just so intense on the field and in the weight room. Uh, John Settle, running back, uh, we had some people putting up, you know, some some great numbers, uh, but. Uh, 400 pounds, you better be able to rep it. Yeah. You better be able to clean uh, over 300 pounds. I mean, 
you've got now athletes and you see them uh you talk about the nfl all the time you've got over 300 pound athletes running sub four eight in the 40. i mean it's incredible uh what they're doing now because we know from a scientific study we've got more we've got sports scientists uh dr michael stone uh he was with me at appalachian state professor at appalachian state and dr harold o'brien talk to them all the time uh, Dr. Stone is at, uh, at, is, is at uh, uh, East Tennessee State University over the Olympics, George Bear and, and a professor. And we talk about it. I just talked to him the other day. And Dr. Stone talking about, you know, we, we, you know we've all, and we really only scratched the surface. We think we've gone a long way, we have. But there's more, the explosiveness is the key. And one of the things I've talked at the National Strength Conditioning Association about uh, the National Conference uh, this past January is contrast con uh, complex strength going from a weighted implement to a non-weighted implement to, to improve uh, through post-activation potentiation, improved explosives. So um, it's incredible what athletes are doing today. And I've been very blessed to, to see some, uh, uh, some amazing athletes in my 45 career uh, years of uh, strength conditioning. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's just to be in that position. I can't imagine. I mean, you know, just to work with all all the, the athletes that you've worked with, the people that you work with. You know, and it's, it's especially if it's something that you love doing. You know, and I tell people all the time, you if you have, if you're passionate about what you do, you know, it makes it that much better, that much easier for you. You know, so that's one thing I believe as well. But Chip, we appreciate you coming on the podcast today, talking. Um, you know. Uh, personal uh, strength and conditioning and um, you know how you got into that journey and you know just continuing throughout we appreciate your insight on these uh, particular matters and um, you know thank you again for coming on I, I enjoy thanks it. Hey, it's been great real quick because I know you got a time limit but what, what I had my wife um, go get uh, the book uh, the golden age of strength and conditioning and you can go to Amazon or you can go to uh, uh, core media group coremediagroup.com um, it's about 15 bucks, Amazon or the core media group, somewhere in there. But it's a history of strength conditioning. And so if you are a strength conditioning coach, you're interested in it, I think it's always good to know about the history of your profession, how it got to where it is. Uh, the golden age of strength conditioning is something I'm very, very proud of. And uh, so Jay, uh, also proud of you for what you're doing. Thanks again having me on. And it's, it's, it's been my pleasure, so course yes as always and make sure you guys um you know if you are interested check out chip's book there the golden age of strength and conditioning um you know i'm sure that's a great read um so make sure you guys go check that out and um yeah thank you chip again for coming on we appreciate great you great thank you sir of course hey everyone welcome back to the jay's fit down podcast i'm your host jay and i'm here today with rusty bird over at the um, Kirk and Bird show. Appreciate him coming on the, the show today um, to talk some football. Um, Thanks, Jay. Appreciate yeah. you having me on, man. Always, man. I, I love having you on. Um, so, Rusty, uh, the Lions, man, I've been getting a lot of uh, love this offseason, and rightfully so, because they've been making a lot of good moves um, for their franchise. And so, I mean, they, they ran into your Gardner Johnson from the Eagles, for example, you know, um, Cam Sutton signing him away from... Um, the Steelers, like they're at, they're 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 really addressing the defense, which is a big problem for them uh, the last yep. couple of years. Um, so I want to hear your thoughts on them and how they've been uh, managing this offseason. Do you like what you've seen so far from Detroit? So uh, for me, I think um, I won't be able to grade or or say too much about the Lions until well. First of all, let me just start. They're the Lions, okay? It's still the Lions now. The way they finished the season was was really uh, I thought was was strong and it was and it was good, but it's still the Lions, um, so I don't trust them until they actually put it all together. But 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 these all I mean for a lot of people the off season is the time people like to get excited and think and dream and hope, but I, I can't really give them a complete grade until they draft. Um, and I think that's kind of where I stand with the Lions. You know, I, um, you know, last year um, they finished nine and eight, so they had a winning record. Uh, 
um, you know, they had, uh, 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 they finished the game on a season on a two-game winning streak. But I, I think for me, um, I'd like to see, you know, one, if that defense comes together, you know, um, if they have, you know, the, if the coordinator with the athletes they're going to put on the field is going to put it all to, together. Because, you know, for, for me personally, um, these last couple of years, it's been such horrible management, the hiring uh, uh, of, like, I'm a little biased also because I didn't think they ever should have fired. Um, why can't I think of his name? The coach who um, had been in Indianapolis. Um, uh, Talking about Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell. Yeah. So, you know, wh- why are we getting excited for what Jim Caldwell was producing at a minimum regularly? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so that's that's kind of where I am. I I. I I, I'm a big supporter of, uh, you know, the, the Detroit Lions coaching staff that they have in place now. But I just, you know, I, I, you know, Jim Caldwell was doing this for you routinely, <laughs> you know. So okay, but that's that's my thought. I just really would like to see it all put together because on paper, it, it should be better, but you know, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, what we're about to see when you put all on the field and you get those guys out there and can they come together? Can they play sound football for four quarters and find a way to win football games? You know, um, and that's going to be the big thing about them. I mean, the, the NFC North, you know, as itself, you got the Vikings who we talked about before. They, you know, they end up with 13 wins, but they just, you know, unfortunately for them, the defense was just atrocious. Um, you know, so that's why they didn't go very far. Um, you know, then you look at the Packers. Enough. That's all that has to be said with the, <laughs> about them. Um, and then the Bears, who who are also uh, making some moves. I know you. You know, you're you're kind of what um, you're you're Justin Fields guy. Um, so real quick with the Bears, man. Do you now? Do you like what they've been doing so far? Not really. You know, I, again, I mean, that's my team, but. I, and I'm, I still don't, I, I don't, I, I like Justin Fields' draft, you know, him being picked, but I still like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not feeling him yet as my, my team's quarterback. I think the thing he did oh, that made him a bit productive last year was running, and I don't see that being a long-term solution. I think he really is going to need some receivers. I, I've said it before, you know, when you gave Tua – and Jalen Hurts, such outstanding receivers, uh, they really started to shine and look good. And and, I, and again, I think Jalen Hurts said it, but it was actually true. He just shouldn't have said it in public. He had better receivers in college than he has in the league. So if he can get some better receivers um, and they can put a few more things together, I, I think they can be okay. I, I, I But I also think that that whole division is really down. Like right now, who would you say would, would, would you – predict to win that division <laughs> right now um i mean i'm still gonna have to go uh with the vikings just because from a standpoint of you know pure yeah. e- experience and and talent wise i might go with minnesota um you know right. they they just clear and higher you know the better team in that division um it, you know, just from what I've seen, you know, right, you know, because they've been consistently, uh, um, you know, uh, in the playoffs in the multi-win team, you know, versus the um, double-digit double win team versus the Lions and the Bears, who I'm like, they're making moves, but I don't really know, you know, right. I got to see it, I got to see it, like you said, I got to see it happen on the field, I got to see them go out there and win consistently, and, and you know, and, and um, yeah, find a way to get it done. But I haven't, you know, so I, I would say the Vikings right now. So, right, and I agree, because one of the things you, I think you can easily kind of do, not, well, not easy, easy, but one of the things you can do is when you're trying to just start out by picking who you think is going to win the division, is just look at the quarterbacks, okay? Now, I'm not the biggest Kirk Cousins fan, but of the people in that division, he's the most tenured, experienced, um, and he, he played well enough last year to lead them 13-4, and four, although I think it's a little misleading just because 
Um, I think that division was, was, you know, not as good. But when you talk about quarterback situations, uh, going back to Detroit, um, Jared Goff was still your quarterback. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and so I, you can say, everybody can say everything they want to say about the Lions in the offseason, but you still have Jared Goff. I'm not saying he's that bad, but I'm saying if we're looking at quarterbacks and what do you want him to be able, where you want him to take you, is he a placeholder? Is he the one? Because what is your standard if you're Detroit? Is it just make the playoffs? Is it make it through the make? Because I'm sure Minnesota was happy last year they made the playoffs, but in the end, like okay, they didn't advance. So what is what is your goal? And then what is, what the pieces you have? Like with that quarterback situation. Yeah, yeah. What is the goal? What is the standard? Right? You know, I mean, the Lions they made they 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 almost made the playoffs. So I get like you said, I guess. They making the playoffs is just the standard for them, you know, um, because right now that's really, I mean, that's really all their talent really allows them to do from what I've seen at this moment, maybe just to squeak in there. You know, they almost did last year, um, you know, and Jared Goff, mm-hmm. I, I, listen, I, you know, I'm not, uh, Jared Goff is, is a player to me, like you said, he's just, he's, he's a system guy, you know, um, he, and that, System in L.A. with Sean McVay, it made him. He, he had some good years there, um, you know, under that uh, offense there. You know, I mean, they went to the Super Bowl. Heck, you know, um, but he is not a long-term answer. So that begs the uh-huh. question: Do the Lions look for a quarterback in this draft? I think they should. Do you agree? I think they should start to look towards the future. I I, I think you've got enough people playing quarterback in in this draft. That I wouldn't. I don't think I necessarily go first round. Oh, not first right. round. No, no, you know, no, no, no. Like if you can find a, you know, a a a, a, a good um, under the well, not even under the rear, but so a good somebody good in the mid to, to in the second round. Um, you know what would have been nice is if Anthony Richardson had actually flown under the radar, but <laughs> because based on his productivity at Florida. You know, it was just okay, but when you get to the combine and you show up like that, I just like I think if if like I think he's gonna go very early, much earlier than anybody going into the last college football season would have could have imagined. But it would have been nice for him. I, I mean, I hope I hope he's able to go to a situation kind of like Detroit, where there's an established starter. He gets to learn, and then he can maybe come in in certain packages, but develop and grow and have time. Right, I don't right. think he's going to be have a lot of success if somebody says, you're our first-round pick, no. you've got to be there and do this. No, absolutely not. Um, uh, like, you know, I'm, I'm like, I just don't think he is a, that throw-in day-one guy. Yeah. I don't think he is. Um, I, I don't believe that. You know, I, I, he's yeah. talented. He's a freak of, you know, of nature. Um, great, you know, combine results as you mentioned. You know, as, as we talked about before on this show, the <laughs> combine. But you know, I, I want to see how how things go when you put the pads on and it's game time. You know, like that's those are two completely different things. Yeah, you you might have had a great forty, uh, great vertical jump, whatever. But it's it's a different game when you know the pads are actually on. Um, and it's time to go play football. So th- that's my thing with Anthony Richardson. I don't think he's ready. Yeah, well, I agree. I think he's going to. I think people are now saying, "Oh, well, who's in there to Josh Allen? He cannot, you know, Josh Allen wasn't very accurate in college, and, and even in the first few years in the league. But maybe I can. Everybody's like, well, I can maybe coach him up. So we'll see. I, I wish him well, but I, again, I hope it's a good situation. The thing I'm going to be I'm looking forward to is, is Jordan Love and Green Bay, and just you know, it's good to not even have Aaron Rodgers in the building where it's a distraction. <laughs> And I, I, I just wish him well. I mean, he's had time to to learn. To I wish he'd gotten more reps over the years, but it's his show now. So I'm, I, I'd like to see what he can do. Yeah, yeah. I think Jordan Love is, um, yeah, like you said, it's his show. It's his time to, to shine. So we'll see what happens with him and the Packers, uh, you know, and hopefully he can do good. Uh, but like you said, it, NFC North, you know, division that is kind of, it's just like in, in the water, right? They're, they're just they're just coasting through. They're not completely bad, like maybe the NFC South or maybe you know like the East was some years ago. But they're just kind of 
wading through the water. So we'll see how things go with that in next year. But moving on to the um, the AFC, um, the AFC North in particular, the Cleveland Browns. Now, Deshaun Watson, um, you know, everybody knows the stories, right? You know, so moving to the football side of things, he, he's the established starter. He's, he's the established starter um, in, in Cleveland now. Do you think can, – can he elevate the Browns? Can they get back to the playoffs to contention? I don't think so. Now, I know he didn't look great last year <clears throat> coming back except, you know, later in the season. But I, 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 I like Deshaun Watson, but I think you have he has to have the right coaching think he has to have the right system and he has to have you know strong receivers and 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 they all have to be on the same page I I, I and so he's just gonna have to do it I'm gonna have to see him do it before I really think whether he's good or great but again just like I said this is Detroit this is still Cleveland <laughs> okay um I, I, you know I thought Deshaun Watson played very well in Houston, but he also had some really dynamic and good receivers um, um, at, at times. So, so he had the uh, why am I not I'm not remembering? He had the receiver um, Hopkins, from Clemson, Hopkins. Hopkins. Yes, Hopkins. DeAndre yeah. Hopkins. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. So yeah. I, let's see if um, if you know. Uh, Amari Cooper or or some of those those folks can can step up and provide him with good target a, a good target. You know, last year again it was not fair to judge him based on the, the long layoff. I just I, I just I think I just don't think he's as good as people think. I mean, and, and and some people are judging not judging him by the amount of by the contract he received. Um, I just I think Cleveland would be in Cleveland again, and just I think they're way overpaid. They gave a guaranteed contract, and I just don't see Cleveland him making Cleveland um, even any better than they were a few years ago when they made the playoffs. Let me just say I think that division is going to come back and be a monster. So um, where does Cleveland you know land after that? I mean they're in the, in the division with the Bengals. Who are in the Super Bowl and in the a, a, uh, AFC Championship game? You still got the Ravens, and we don't know what their quarterback. But I have a lot of faith that Harbaugh uh, will will figure it out. Uh, and the Steelers, um, right now, who would you say in that? Is, who would you pick? What would be your order in in, in 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 terms of the order of finishing in that division? And then that might be your answer to your question about Deshaun Watson. Uh, first, the Bengals. That's clear and obvious. Um, now, the, behind that is where things get a little touchy. I mean, you know, I, I could go the Ravens here just based off, you know, um, talent and experience. But then again, they, you know, quarterback situation is a little rocky right now. So right. Um, I, I'm still going to go the Ravens right there. Um, and then uh, <laughs> I'm going to slide the Steelers over the Browns right there. Um, I think you know, like they, they struggled early on in the year. Um, Kenny, but the offensive play calling was was really garbage. Um, you know, so they then they start to, they start to um, you know, get things going later on in the year. Kenny Pickett, I think, you know, he's gonna only get better. Um, you know, George yeah. Pickens is a great receiver that they pair those two up was a good idea. And Najee Harris, you know, of course, out the backfield, you know, Bama guy. So, um, I think. I think the Steelers are gonna do a lot better next year than people think they are. Um, you know, I agree. That's my thing. My thing on that. Okay, and and so I think we just again we went back to the old let's look at the quarterback situation. Okay, who's the best quarterback? And then let's go from there. And clearly, Cleveland. I mean, Cincinnati has the best situation, and it 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 it, it is a question mark. I think clearly for Baltimore um, and Pittsburgh. But I think even Cleveland, even though they have an established quarterback in the league, but but I, I think like you, I think Kenny Pickett's going to figure some things out. To me, Pittsburgh just is not didn't have the right system for him. Right. Um, but yeah. but um, if, if, again, if he can get the receivers to go along with the strong running game, 
I think the Steelers uh, could be fine. Look, Tomlin found a way again to not have a losing record with the situation he had. They were nine and eight, so and and just barely, you know, missing out on the playoffs after a, a, a really bad start uh, and finishing with four wins in a row. So um, I, I think for Cleveland, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I look to see them to be the third or or fourth team in that division right now if you ask me i'd say be the, the fourth in that fourth. division yeah you know um they won seven games last year jacoby Brissett wasn't that bad um and and, and 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 that's the question i'd say also is what was the real variance or difference between what you <laughs> jacoby Brissett and and deshaun watson um really i mean you know so it's gonna be Deshaun Watson is, is in a place right now where like you know he this is a guy that was that you know many deemed a generational talent at the quarterback position and he and he was was is I don't know I mean like he's I, I really want him to be, I do want him to be good because he's so talented and he's got to be in that it, this it, the system has got to be good for him it's got to work I want him to make his name in the NFL again, like he was some years ago when he was with the Texans, but then all that, the the buildings came crashing down, and we all know how that ended for him, but I want to see him, I, I just, for his sake, you know, just put himself, um, you know, back in the uh, conversation again, so we'll see if he can do that, but moving on to the commanders, uh, they are, are officially, they're being sold, um, you know, so we already got some people making some bids. Uh, J- Josh Harris and the uh, Mitchell Rails group, including Magic Johnson, have already um, submitted a $6 billion bid, which does meet um, Snyder's um, asking price there. So what do you think about this, man? Is this, this <laughs> the commanders are about to head into new ownership? Yeah, um... <clears throat> To me, it can't happen fast enough. I, 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 mean, I just, I wish he wasn't Snyder. Dan Snyder wasn't going to make so much money off of him, but it's definitely been time for him to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I like. Well, I, I think I want it to happen sooner than later. Because once, once, once that person uh, and the new lead ownership is in place, a lot of other things can start to fall into place and what I mean by that is they need a new stadium they they need uh, they just need to clean house in terms of you know their front office and personnel the way they they've kind of managed that place so you got to get all of that out of there and that doesn't happen overnight um, and so I I would like to I'm very happy that Dan Snyder is because I I, I you know, I, I'm a Chicago Bear fan, but I've lived in the, the D.C. area for 30 years and, and was a big fan of the Redskins as a kid. I mean, I like the Walt, I mean, Joe Theismann, John Reagan's teams, Art Monk. And when I came here, the, my first year out of college, they won the Super Bowl. And so um, they were one of my top three teams of all time that I liked. But over once Dan Snyder took over, and I've got a lot of family and friends in this area that that like the, the commanders and I'm like how can you support them you know like Dan Snyder is is treating the fans poorly treats his players ex-coaches poorly so I'm just relieved that I can at least again kind of pull for him you know um I, the one thing I would say is with the the the, the, the bids um and, I, and you know I think you know them throwing Magic Johnson in there and they, they put that name out I would still like to see a um the the, the lead um, majority person for whatever group goes in be a, a, a African American, um, and so that that you know, but I can't say it should be this one or it should be that one. You know, I, I would just like that to to be um, something that happens. You know, because it 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 that that old boys network needs um, needs to have another voice maybe in the room. Now look, the thing that talks is money. So it's not it doesn't matter what color somebody is, you know, and um, you know, the the, the the Jaguars have um a man of color, but I would just still like to see uh, an African American majority owner, especially in DC Chocolate City. 
<laughs> yeah, um, I, I agree. I mean, you know, I think it's 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 time. It's been time. Um, you know, it's something that needs to happen. You know, um, I mean, we see with the the coaches and this and that, and you know, it's it's unfortunate. Um, you know how how things have transpired. Um, you know, in the NFL, and they they claim they're about certain things and they're pushing for this and that, but you know. <laughs> so I it's something I do want to see. Um so uh yeah we'll we'll continue to monitor that man. But yeah the commanders are being sold finally. So hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so and and, and 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 I would love uh, one of the things not that I wanted Dan Snyder to the team, but I, he was going to actually build the stadium right near me. Now I didn't want the traffic but it was, I know <clears throat> this new stadium that he had in mind was gonna be state of the art. And it's going to be right here in Woodbridge because Dan Snyder moved from his home in Maryland about two years ago to uh, to the Lorton, Alexandria area. Um, and so he's not far from me. And I, that's why I think I knew he was going to try to put that stadium right here. But but they um, they they were not going to approve any state funding as long as he owned it. So I, we'll see, you know, where. They they put the new stadium um, and, and and everything. I don't want the traffic, but I would like you know what it can bring to to our community in terms of resources. Yeah, of course. But, but yeah, that's that's good. Um, but yeah, so Rusty, that pretty much wraps us up for the podcast today, man. Thank you for coming on and um, you know, just appreciate it, giving your insights. And um, again, we'll continue to monitor this everything throughout the off season. We're getting closer to the draft, man. Less than a month away, so. Um, thank God for that. I'm really interested to see how this turns out for all these teams. And, you know, will these guys, uh, will these teams find their next franchise cornerstones? We will find out on April 27th um, in, in the NFL draft. But until then, make sure you guys stay tuned with us here on Jays Just Now. Also, check out Rusty's show, um, the Kirkenberg Sports Show. They got great stuff there. Check them out wherever you um, can find them at. And we will catch you guys next time. Rusty, thank you. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. God bless. You too. All right, take care. All right, man.